Danseurs and danseuses, strap on your pink slippers, properly stretch your hamstrings, and fondue, padasha, batmon, batmon, batmon. Because it's time to talk tall to me. You know, last week I said talk tall to moi. I should have saved it for this week. Hey, yeah. I'm so disappointed with myself. You never know when French is going to come in handy. Very rarely in my life. Pamplemousse. <laughs> Welcome back to Talk Tell to Me. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. We are Feckless Moans. And this is Talk Tell to Me. A fourth grade ballet recital in the Prague Rock School of Dance, where Nick and I, in our freshly fluffed tutus, stumble our way through the entire repertoire of Jethro Tull. Every step, a song, every eight count, an album. Nick and I will do our best to follow in the fluty footfalls of the stern dance mistress, Ian Anderson. That, that we will. Yeah. I will, I will stub plenty of toes and step on more, but we'll get there. And by golly, we will look coordinated by the end of this. We, we will. We will, and our parents will clap for us. <laughs> yeah, our dad will fall asleep during the middle of it, but... Absolutely. Yeah. So, Omen. Nick, here we are. Got a couple of things for us before we dive into our dance today. Please. I think we've just got Marley on the payroll. Marley! We have, before we get into the meat and potatoes, we have ourselves, I, I think I would, I think I'd go so far as to call it an addendum. It's about to get addendumized. It's been a while since we've done an addendum. So last week, mm. one of my favorite lyrics off of Cold Wind of Valhalla is on an outsized unicorn. Yeah. On an outsized unicorn. And we were trying to figure out what the heck that meant. What, uh, we were, we were trying to meant. stuff a unicorn into a horse-shaped hole. I what my I have a theory. Okay. And it is that it is a reference to Sleepnir. Who what? Who is Odin's eight-legged horse? Oh. Who in some versions has horns, in some versions has wings. It is the son of Loki. Yes, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that is my guess. You know, I, I like that. It sounds, and of course, I, I now that you are saying this, I do remember from my boyhood days of, of reading Norse mythology, I do remember Slipfnir. Yes, the name the name means slipper or slippery one. Yeah, it, slipper as in one who slips. Right, right, right. And I yep. remember the eight legs. I wasn't aware that, that that horse was sort of a crock pot in which you could just throw body parts from various animals. Yeah, well, I mean that that is any any type of mythology. I think that kind of fits in. I think it's yeah, it's pretty appropriate to fit in. Yeah. yeah. So that that is that is the addendum. Excellent. We oh, have, oh. Uh-huh. hold on a second. Oh, oh here we, we got. Go. Yeah. Sorry about the blood in the floor. Oh. The blood on the floor is that? I got caught that... in a fox trap. Cut me own foot off. <laughs> wow! Didn't you just lose a foot like to a tractor? Oh, a couple weeks ago? That's why I keep spares. Oh. Marley, 
I don't know what you do on your off time, but we need to talk about this. I'll be, I'll be stumping off now. Okay, okay please be, be careful. Treat it with whiskey. <laughs> soaking, soaking in whiskey. Okay, we have some emails for all y'all here. <clears throat> Your emails, sir. Excellent, Nick. We have ourselves a return right from Abu Jethro bin Moms. Ah, salam dalila. We have a just a small clarification for for his la- his last email. He said that he was his favorite song was the last one off of dot com. Right. And we said, oh, oh, a gift of roses. What a beautiful song. And he says, just a small clarification. My favorite Tull song isn't really the last song on .com, but that was my way of saying I'm ready to follow this project till the end. (laughs) But I do wonder, do you ever doubt whether you'll make it? It's a really long project, and you have some real stinkers coming your way in the 80s and 90s. You, you might want to mix it up with some more Solo Anderson. But anyway, you have a few years before you have to worry about it. Cheers. So, Nick, I remember earlier in the week we actually discussed this email. Mm-hmm. And what we realized that for new listeners, we perhaps the parameters of this project are not crystal clear. It's been a while since we've laid out our actual charter, I guess you That's could right. call it. And and so let's take a little trip back in time, Nick, to to the phone conversation where you you finally wore me down <laughs> and convinced me to start a podcast with you. It's our, our mission, uh, yeah. Our mission. That's it. Yeah, it's our mission statement. Let's let's do a little a little re- memory here. Okay. So Omen, I've I've got this idea, and I can't think of anyone better. To have it with, to, to, to pursue this with. So, so listen, hear me out. We're going to talk about every single Jethro Tull song, start to finish, in chronological order, starting with that first album, starting with This Was, and working our way all the way to Thick as a Brick 2. What do you think? Sorry, Nick, it's quite loud here. I, can't, I didn't hear any of that. Can you repeat? Every Tull song, start to finish, chronological, album to album. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Let's right? do it. Let's yeah. do it. I bet people would dig this. This is I don't think that anyone will ever listen to this at all, but it sounds like a nice way to hang out with you. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah, I don't care if anyone listens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's exactly how it went down. <laughs> Verbatim, yeah. That was a recording of of the conversation. Yeah, I was in Prospect Park. Yeah, you were. Mm-hmm. So, so it, uh, hopefully that clarifies for anyone who wasn't clear already that we plan on talking tall about every single track off of every single canonical Jethro Tull album, and even some of those tracks that were tacked on as bonus tracks forty years later that we're seeing a lot of. A lot of appearances with for the Steve Wilson remasters that yeah, they, they throw a bunch the, on there. Those are retro canonical. Yeah, I mean, as long as Jethro Tull performed it, I consider that canonical, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, so basically, any Jethro Tull song. Y- yes, exactly. <laughs> 
what I don't know that we'll actually talk about are the the Ian Anderson solo albums. But you know, maybe when 2025 rolls around and we're finishing this material up, there'll be demand and we'll keep going. By that time, we'll be retired from our actual jobs and we'll have nothing else to do. So we will go into the Ian Anderson stuff. That's right. And maybe we'll do Martin Barr stuff too. Mumble hey, Martin to me. Yeah. Mumble Martin to me. <laughs> so thank you very much for your email and for giving us the opportunity to clarify our mission. We really appreciate that. Yep. Yep. Thank you so much for writing in as usual. We appreciate it. Thank you, Abu. And one more, we have we have an email from John, our Anglo correspondent. It's been a while. Hello, John. Hello, John. John writes in about sandbags on the strand, which I believe was that that was good godmother. Yeah, it was. So he says, your ideas about sandbags on the strand got me thinking. Flooding was a serious concern in London in the mid 70s. I remember seeing posters which show the flood risk area. The strand was not included in that area. It's not far from the River Thames, but I guess the embankment is high enough to protect it. Work began on building the Thames Barrier in 74 and was finished in 84, which has made the danger of flooding in London far less likely for now, he says. Yeah. (laughs) Another reason for sandbags on the Strand would have been the threat from the IRA bombing campaign in London. Ah, yes, the IRA. Mm. And he also talks about the... There's a line in there about Something about the the corruption of television or something along those lines? Yes. In the 70s, in British television, there were three channels, BBC One, BBC Two, and ITV, which had advertisements and was broadcast to different regions of the UK by commercial companies. BBC One and Two are state-owned, so there are no commercials, I believe. Yeah, that makes sense. And they were all broadcast in color starting in 1969. The permissiveness of sexual mores and depiction of sexual themes in film, television, etc. was of great concern to the good godmother, Mrs. Mary Whitehouse. Oh. Who was a British educator and conservative activist and how dare you show ankle. Yeah, Yeah, and the line that you're looking for, Nick, is the walls are shedding a lethal skin of TV active social sin. The walls are shedding a lethal skin of TV active social sins. Yes, that. Very much so. And finally, he wraps up with, at the end of that, that was your Just Freshly Married episode? Yeah. And I, I stumbled and I said that we hadn't even been doing the podcast for a year. And he says, by the way, I love that you and Omen thought you'd been doing this podcast for less than a year. You must be enjoying doing it as much as I am listening to it. Best wishes, John. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thank you, John, for all the, uh, the London context. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, it makes me think if, if the strand wasn't in danger of flooding, but sandbags were used in areas where in London where flooding was a problem, it makes me think that maybe Ian was hyperbolizing. Yeah. <laughs> hyperbolizing. Saying that, you know, the si- describing a situation that was hyperbolically worse than than it already was. I.e. Yes. having, you know, having sandbags on the strand. Yeah. Excellent. We always enjoy hearing from you. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. Thank you, everyone, for listening, obviously. We do we do appreciate male, and we try to cover, and female. cover it all over the time. That as well. And gender non-binary. Whichever you want to be identified as. If you want yeah. to be identified as email, that's fine, too. So that is it for listener mail. That's it for what I got from Marley. How about we dig in a little I'm bit? I'm out of whiskey. I've got to soak me stumps in bath gin. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's a good thing it's there. So yeah. if I do hear any screaming, I, I'm assuming that'll be that'll be what that is. I'm glad that you invested in that tub of bath gin, Nick. He, I didn't. I mean, he he did it all himself. It, oh. it shows initiative, which I appreciate. Yeah. You know, so that's a good price. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so let's yeah. jump into a little minstrel info here. This oh, is the third yeah. song. We I think we should dig in here. Let's do. So two episodes ago, I'm going to be honest. I forgot we were starting an episode uh, or starting a new album. So I didn't do the research beforehand. So one of the big things that I want to correct is that we we both very confidently said, oh, yeah, the band sticks together for the next all the way up until A or something. That's wrong. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, Jeffrey is gone after this album. I, that's correct. This is the last time that we hear the the dulcet fingerings of Jeffrey Hammond Hammond, and that's and right. I believe that this is the last. Is this is this the last album that Barrymore Barlow plays the drums? Oh, I don't think so. I didn't see that okay. in there. But this is the this is the farewell to Hammond. This is the farewell to Hammond. Absolutely, and they knew. They all knew at this point. Even when they went on tour, they basically put out the album did the tour for the album and everybody knew by the end of that tour that wow that he'd be gone so some more hard facts here it's the eighth studio album it was recorded from may 15th to june 7th 1975 in morocco yes in in morocco yeah no monte carlo sorry hmm yeah it was released september 5th in the uk september 8th in the us in 1975 it's the first time where the orchestration is an all-string quartet conducted by D. Oh, instead yeah. of just sort of piecemeal? I think so, yeah, or or a a a bigger presentation. I think this is this is just just a a, a quartet. Interesting. Yeah. It was recorded in Monte Carlo at the Maison Rouge studio not long after Ian divorced Jenny Franks. Yeah, I think we're going to be talking about that a bit in this episode. Mhm. It arrived in a year that the band played five sold-out nights at the L.A. Forum. Wow. And were descri- they were described as the world's biggest band, right. question mark, by Melody right. Maker. There was actually a question mark there, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> a quote from Ian about the album when, when he's asked about the album. This is his little snippet. He says, that's an odd one. It's the last one that Jeffrey Hammond played on. So it has this negative undertow to it as we knew he was going. Mm. So with Jeffrey leaving, it made me think maybe I need to do this without relying on others so much. I started working more on my own in the studio, writing and recording, playing to a click track. So a lot of it was a bit more them and me, a bit more insular, musically speaking, which wasn't great in the spirit of working together. That's so fascinating, Nick. I, you know, I was going to mention something along those lines that because I had also read that it was a lot of Ian working by himself. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that, 
I, I don't know if thus far we've really heard a lot of evidence of that, but I do think that we are going to later in the album. Yeah. And it is interesting. I mean, you know, as we talked about before, Jeffrey Hammond Hammond was was the person that Ian wrote songs about yeah. prior to his joining the band. So I can't imagine what it must mean for this for this guy who is famously so emotionally distant in general mm-hmm. to have, you know, what might arguably be his best friend. I mean, this is conjecture. Leaving the project. That's, yeah. I, I imagine he must have been very sad about it. I mean, they they played they played together even before Tull, long before Tull, you know? So right. and and I there there is one of the main things that I've I've seen in in several instances of, of Ian talking about this album is the feeling of of the the start of that separation. I've I've got another quote. It says, I suppose I was feeling a little isolated. I felt you were in the public domain, but cut off, like entertainers, minstrels in the gallery, separated from the people you were performing to. You were of a different caste. Mm. You were traveling salesmen, carnival people. So they found you seductive and interesting and wanted to receive your entertainment, but you didn't belong with them. Have I ever told you the story about about when I was working as a standardized patient, which is an actor who helps doctors train? I, I knew you did that. I don't I don't know the story. I went to a gig one time and one of the instructors was, you know, they were very they were very weird about like, you know, well, you know, don't don't show yourself to the don't be in this hallway where the where the med students are, you know, before a certain time. And I was wandering around looking for the looking for the men's room and I was talking and I, I saw somebody and I was like, oh, excuse me, can you tell me where the bathroom is? And they were like, Oh, um, are you uh are you an actor or a real person? <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm being paid to to ask where the bathroom is. I was like, I was like, well, first of all, that distinction is highly problematic. <laughs> Secondly, does it matter? Both of them have bladders that need to be emptied. Yeah. So, <laughs> so but I, I I can understand where he's coming from. I mean, I also think that the the important thing to understand or to contextualize here is that this is when the divorce from Jenny Franks has been recently, you know, either it was in process or recently done. This is sort of that time period. Yeah. The Monte Carlo thing is interesting as well because Monte Carlo is, of course, a independent principality in the south of France. It's its own yep. country. It was, an, it was another tax reason. They, exactly. they did it for the taxes. Yep. Exactly. It's also where the Grand Prix is. Yeah. Oh, and they, they were there at that time, actually. Must have been terrible for recording. Oh, he Ian hated it, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he hated it. I would love to be in Monte Carlo during the Grand Prix. Oh my gosh, no. No, thank you. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. So, Nick, I expect that some more facts will trickle in as we go through this album. Mm-hmm. But shall we now dive deeply into the meat of the matter at hand. Yeah. The hand meat, if you will. The and talk hand. about Ooh. this week's song. <laughs> yes. This week, we are going to dance about Black Satin Talker. No, talk about Black Satin Dancer. Let's dance a listen. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that was not the longest song on this album. No. But I think it's second longest. It's close. It's just shy of seven minutes. Yeah, 6.53. It is a roller coaster. Yeah, it really, it really is. Nick, This there, there's a lot going on in this song, both thematically, lyrically, and musically. And um, emotionally. And <laughs> like, emotionally. I'm, I have I'm, feels after this song. I'm a little drained. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because we were talking before the podcast, and you said, you said, oh, yeah, this is a pretty short one. And I had just listened to it, and I was like, no, dude, it's... It's like seven minutes. Yeah. And you, said, you said, wait, is it really? And I realized that if you haven't listened to this album in a while, this is one of those songs that you think of and you're like, oh, yeah. Black Satin Dancer. Like That's pretty much it. It's done, yeah. It's done. All right, we've listened to it. Great. <laughs> but you, and it's it's easy to not remember that it's like actually this incredibly intensely composed, long, building, incredible piece of work. Yeah, it is a journey. It is a, oh, it's a, it's a beautiful, long, beautiful journey. Yeah. It's a long, beautiful journey and, and it never ends. <laughs> After, until seven, seven minutes. <laughs> exactly. One thing that I, I want to, I, this is, I may be speaking out of turn in terms of what we usually do here, but I, there's something about this song that I want to, that I want to say. Sure. In it, this sort of breaks the pattern a little bit with the the previous songs of the previous songs on this album establish this idea of the minstrel, mm-hmm. and then it rockets us into the the present. Yeah. This pretty much just starts off. Th- there, there's none of that like time travel element. There's no, there are no old timey ancient metaphors. It's just yeah. pretty much like pure raw description and passion. There is there is a little bit they they go through the full set of lyrics and then there's there's one of the many breakdowns and mm-hmm. then I have one of my many breakdowns mm-hmm. and then and then he does sing some of the lines again. Yes. So so there is there is some more of that softer slightly acoustic then going into the heavier part. Right, but it's not it's not in the same way that that the song Minstrel is where he sings through everything once acoustic mm-hmm. and then you know quote unquote acoustic yeah, and right. then everything through again super electric yeah this is like he gets through it once which is a huge journey in itself right yeah and then it goes insane with that theme and then it goes even more insane and then he belts out like a quarter of the lyrics yeah. and then comes much later to a couple more of them and that's it yeah yeah it's it's like it's like he sang the song and then they decided to do a, a couple of solos and stuff. And then it, the spirit just moved him to, to, to go again, you know? Yeah. It's, it's intense, dude. Yeah. Is this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm useless when it comes to like actual musical stuff. Is this a minor key? I, it has a dark sound to it, whether it is officially minor or not. I don't know. I think it goes maybe back and forth. I'm I, sure. I, yeah. I mean, we are listening to, to, to them in at the height of their prog prog rockiness, so yes. it, it could be all over the map. Yeah, I don't feel confident to say one way or the other, but I do. Mm-hmm. I do think that it kind of modulates between mm, some different <laughs> modes. It's a mode modulator. Okay, okay, sure. That sounded sure. like I knew what I was talking about. Let's do talk about the music though in yeah. the way that we can. 
there is there's something and it's big i it's because i've never listened with the good quality headphones that i'm listening now but there is this this kind of like shushing noise this little sh- at the top yeah, I've never heard that before. Yeah. So so you're talking about so in the very beginning we have the flute intro and then we have that that is is that breathing? Is it like a symbol? What is that? I think that it is a symbol being played backwards like Ooh. played and then the tape run backwards okay that's okay, my best i can guess. see that yep it does the sound goes up as opposed to sinking yeah i i, th- I think i i can hear that mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting that's my theory i was gonna i was gonna mention that but why because it sounds cool as heck yeah i guess right i think oh. that's all i think that's all it is mm-hmm. so we have the we have the sing through of the lyrics yeah. And the music is pretty straightforward. I mean, the flute at the beginning is very plaintive. It but it it does start out simple. It starts out very delicate. How how delicate is that that instrumentation at the beginning and it, and it does build into a nice crescendo, like a really Yeah. before you realize it, it you are swept away and I think we said this about Cold One to Valhalla as well, but mm. like there is a you're just instantly into it. Yeah. There is there is no preamble. You're just you're a part of this and because it's so the music is so sweet and plaintive and the the emotion behind both the music and Ian singing, you're instantly there. Come let me play with you black satin dancing. And all you give Absolutely. We have the piano and the strings really working in a coordinated fashion mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. grip us by the heart strings. However, in that first section where we have the complete lyrics, there is a sense of of control. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's like it's like we've decided to say this thing, we're saying it and we're going to we we've gotten through it. Yeah. But then once we get through the sung, that first big section of sung lyrics, and we go into the first break, and it drops all the way back to the bit where it's that theme over and over again. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Do, do, do. It starts out with the glockenspiel. Oof. And then it picks up with the flute. Mm-hmm. And it and just it just cycles over and over like it, a mantra almost. It, yeah, that's a great way of thinking of it. It's like every instrument takes over so that the previous instrument can freak out. Yeah, that's a really good, that's that. There's a good observation that they build off of one another, but that the, the new one always comes in with that theme that we know while everyone, they, they peel back yeah. and they just, they just go. It's like peeling your heart layer by layer yeah. until we have Jeffrey Hammond Hammond using the theme on the bass mm-hmm. and 
Martin going nuts. Like one of one of my one of I say this every time that I hear him play, but like right. I really think this is one of my favorite Martin guitar solo moments. I think it's really up it's, there. It's really good. It's really really good. I and this is this is like I I could be wrong, but this is one of this is not one of those songs that generally is given a really hey everybody step forward and do this. And I, I don't know how, how I, I don't think, you know what, to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen this one in concert. Not that I've gone that many, but I would love if, if you guys have seen it, let us know. And you remember uh, having seen it, l- let us know how they play this song. Do you want to find out for us, Nick, how many times this has been played in concert? Yeah, I definitely do. So another thing that we get, so after the sort of climax of the, of the guitar solo, it drops back a little bit. And we have some really interesting, fun things there. We have more, more fun guitar stuff, mm-hmm. including Martin playing what I believe are harmonics. Oh, he's playing way up on the neck and maybe playing the harmonics of the guitar. And it's like, and it's that like. And then Ian goes a bit nuts with something that we haven't heard much of in recent days, which is... This is when he starts... uh, This must be like when he starts it, right? His vocalization? Yeah. Well, he's done that before. Yeah. In previous albums. Yeah, but not not to this, like, wild-sounding off-the-cuff, I think. Maybe... I could be wrong. I think that he did it a, a bunch in the first couple of albums, and then he... Then he pulled it back for okay. a while. Yeah, maybe so. But this is definitely the most that we've heard it in a while, and it is, it is heartfelt flute screaming. Yeah, baba, baba. And then he goes into that scream singing, like you said earlier, at about. Let's see, it's it's that it's that first batch <laughs> of, of actual singing. Yeah. <laughs> just see him like throwing himself around the stage trench coat and cod piece flapping in the breeze <laughs> yeah i yeah it really feels like the voice of a man who's lost all reason for a moment yeah 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 i i just want to point out two two more instrument moments please do we get just solo cello not solo but like the only strings we get is cello at two minutes And and I know why we're I'm noticing the cello more, and it's because it's a quartet. Mm. It's because it's not a greater orchestra that's all being mixed. So D is using these individual pieces right. to to much greater effect. It's not being diluted with a, a hundred violins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So we get we get some some cello sweeps at two minutes, and then Barrymore's cowbell at about four fifty. 
I love that. I was going to mention that. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. It's really, really good. So we we have fifty nine performances of Black Satin Dancer. Wow. Some really interesting time frames. The first time it was played, 1982. Really? This album was 75. So seven years later, they played it 11 times. That's when he was emotionally ready to perform it in public. Yeah, he, he, he got over his, his divorce. Then 1984, <sighs> they played it twice. 89, they played it 40 times. So they must have really worked it into rotation okay, in 89. Sure. And then not until 2016 where they played it six times. And oh, and that was just Martin. That was Martin on his individual tour. Wow. In uh, in 2016, yeah. So I know we're going to get into the lyrics here in a second, Nick, but I do feel like, you know, just based on the music, this is mm. profoundly emotional. It, it, it really, really is. It really, really is. The... Uh, in in reference to the lyrics, last week we talked about Zeppelin. Yes, we did. It, and I said it's not the last time we're going to talk about Zeppelin on this album. Ian was once quoted as saying that this song, Black Satin Dancer, was like Led Zeppelin, but with better lyrics. <laughs> and then and then he was asked about it afterward, like years afterwards. And he says, quote, that was the kind of thing I unfortunately used to say opening my mouth without stopping to think. Of course it was offensive. In that moment, I forgot that Robert Plant wrote the lyrics. He was probably hurt. It sounded like I was claiming some kind of superiority. I was probably trying to pay a compliment to Zeppelin, but it ended up at not as I intended. Ah. Yeah. Uh, or or perhaps exactly as he or that's, yeah, in the moment. Yeah, that's, that, he pulled a, um, that's a thick as a brick, where he he makes up the excuse after the fact. Mm. You know, just to, to cover his butt, basically. Sure. Well, I mean, it's also possible that he meant it at the time and then sincerely meant what he said later. It, it, yeah. Yeah, I can see that, too. Yeah. But I think that the comparison musically with Zeppelin is not unfounded in yeah. this case. It's got the... Not all of Tull's work has this level of rawness. Yeah. And it's interesting thinking about this recording, which which comes across so emotionally raw with all the instruments in the context of the recording that we were talking about, how how Ian worked by himself a lot. I wonder yeah. how much of this, I wonder how much of this Ian recorded by himself. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I, I, it, it, let's hope it was at least therapeutic. Let's hope. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. But yeah, just just Ian, Ian's like screaming and bouncing in the studio, one producer yeah. in the booth, and that's it. Yeah. Or maybe he produced it himself. I'd like to book the studio for three hours, but Ian, you only have half an hour of material. The other two and a half hours are for crying. It's it's cry time. It's cry like, time. Like away a, from the Grand Prix. <laughs> an hour, an hour before and an hour after, please. <laughs> half an hour for a snack. <laughs> Let's dive into the lyrics. Come. Yeah. Let me play with you, Black Satin Dancer. Well, I think that's... That says it all. Good night, folks. Thank you for listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So we know that he was 
in the process of becoming single again or maybe mm-hmm. newly single, we also know yep. Ian and his personality, that he is a bit of a a genius and an awkward turtle. Mm-hmm. Or a he, turtle and an awkward genius. I forget which one. He he likes ballerinas. He likes dancers. We know we've, that. We've seen that image-wise very regularly at this we've, point. And, and we're not here to kink shame anyone. No, no. Black satin dance away, please. Please. This, this, if we're looking at the grand scope of this, this album. Yeah. As, as minstrels in the gallery, as, as having come to present to, to, to the, the nobility. This, this is, this flips the camera. This is a behind the scenes, like behind the, the actual stage. This is an actor talking to one of the dancers. That's, that's what I get in this. If we're, if we're keeping in, that mindset mm. of that of that time. This is what this is. This is one of the actors in love with another an, a, an, another player. You know, sure. Which is also the plot of Limelight by Charlie Chaplin. Which is the plot of all of my college career. <laughs> yes, it's the plot of Nick McGill from two thousand seven to two thousand three to two thousand seven. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think that fundamentally, it's about desire. Yes. And specifically repressed desire or or desire that has not been unrequited. Yeah, unrequited desire, or, or, or or maybe it hasn't had the opportunity to be requited or not. Mm. I think it's sort or, of the early the, stages. The, the world of secret desire. Ah, I don't okay. I don't think he's cuz this isn't like what what was it from Good Godmother come miss Come, Miss So-and-so. Miss Hatchet, yeah. Come, Miss Hatchet. We'll go to a, a restaurant where the prices are very low and we'll dance the night away. This yeah, is not, you're this right. This is not that. Oh, come on, Miss Hatchet. Let me take you to a restaurant where the cat is very cheap. And we'll dance all night at the club around the corner till it's time to go to Betsy. This is this is him pining over someone unbeknownst to her. I think so. I think tearing right. yeah. life from limb and Look. looking sweeter than the brightest flower in my garden. Tearing life from limb and looking sweeter than the brightest flower. I'm a I'm a married man, Nick. Fact. I was there. You were there. But I can recall in my in my youth, you know, having having desire for people. Mm-hmm. And also being a, an, an awkward person who didn't know how to express himself. Yeah. And when you when you have that burning desire for a person and you don't feel like you can express it, I I think that that feeling of being ripped apart from the inside is is common. Yeah, yeah. F- physically, emotionally, mentally, yeah. No, all logic ceases in your brain at that. Begging point. your pardon, shedding right on reason. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Begging your pardon, shedding right on reason. Over sensing. 
Uh, it's all there. I, I mean, it really is. Over over sensation fly the fleeting seasons. I mean, it's like it reminds me of of when you have this, one of those terrible, terrible crushes on someone, and you, you know, you interact with them, and like if you if if your hands brush when passing a piece of paper or or something or a, yeah. a sandwich, you know that. <laughs> that tiny sensation you like blow that up into some huge thing and yeah and make yeah. a make a meal out of a morsel in your own yeah. mind mhm that the next line thin wind whispering on broken mandolin is one of the most beautifully sung lines in tall can you sing it for me as Ian anderson <laughs> i can't i can't sing that high that's the problem do it do it anyway thin wind Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's lamenting, it's sweeping, it's sad. Rather a lot of syllables, though, isn't it? Yeah. But sometimes you got to get all the syllables out. (laughs) But but it's it is it is the most unique line in this song because. Because it sounds so different, it sounds like it's. It's a transition into something or or it, it it's plucked out of a different song. I also think it's it is telling of that of the state where, you know, of of stymied expression where you want to you want to, as Don Giovanni, go under the window with your mandolin and, and sing Divienia la finestra with the mandolin, but it's only a thin wind whispering on a broken mandolin. He's not Don Giovanni. So that's the best he can do, you're saying? Yeah, he's broken in the use of himself. Got it, got it, okay. He's Cyrano de Bergerac with no, with no, with no Bergerac. With right. Nothing but a nose. Nothing, he's, he's just a nose <laughs> lying in a bush. <laughs> There's also a little bit of Einstein's theory of relativity here. Bending the minutes, the hours ever turning. On that old gold story of mercy. So that's something that I find very interesting. I can't decide, Nick, if I if that is like deeply classical or like quite creepy. Hmm. Or, or you know, maybe maybe both. I mean but, they they Venn diagram is is not two separate circles by any stretch of the imagination. No, but no. you're you're saying the the old the old gold story of mercy part because the bending the minutes the hours ever oh, turning. Oh no, no, that's just, that's that's strictly Einstein. That what did he say? A a minute, a minute in a dull lecture feels longer than an hour with a pretty girl. Yeah, I I, I don't know that quote from him, but but yeah, I mean yes, that, yes, he was right. But the old gold story of mercy that reminds me of things not unlike Dante's relationship with Beatrice in the in the Vita Nuova and then and then subsequently in the Divine Comedy where it's like I'm in, I'm in love with this person who is so pure and so high above me and so unobtainable that that for her to look at me or acknowledge me is mercy because it it is mm-hmm. salvation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is an established poetic construct sure. in, a, in a lot of literature. But sure. it's also, I think, in a modern context, 
quite lame and like puts <laughs> puts all the power and responsibility into the hands of someone else. Sure. You know, it's not a healthy thing to do. I I I think we need to read the next line though, because let's let's re- read the full part. Bending the minutes, the hours, ever turning on that old gold story of mercy. Colon. Therefore, it's setting up here. Let me tell you what that old gold story of mercy is, mm, which is desperate breathing, tongue nipple teasing. Desperate breathing, tongue nipple teasing. Wow, can can we say tongue nipple teasing on this podcast? I I asked my mom. She said it's okay. Oh goodness, <laughs> I better ask my mom. <laughs> ask your mom. She slapped me. So the old gold story of Mercy is the sex. The sex. It's been a while since we ha- we've had it. You're telling you're a telling s- me, Nick. <laughs> you always say you have a headache. <laughs> I have a headache. I don't want to talk about tall to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe that's what that is. Is is what it, what it boils down to is 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 hormones and maybe like Mercy is is in. Pity sex? Like, I, mm, I, I know. It's very, it's very interesting. Yeah. I also don't know that we've ever had such a graphic description of sex in oh, the works of Jethro Tull. We definitely have not. I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that. It's, it is, it is, we've certainly never seen the word nipple. The boiler fluid is churning. <laughs> oh boy, is it boiling. Well, which let's go to the next line. Your fast river flowing, your northern fire fed. Your fast river flowing, your northern fire fed. Is that, are those, is that euphemistic? It, it's nothing but euphemism. Omen. Wow. That's all it is. It's pure, pure euphemism. She Now with she, more euphemism. She moves her body like a cyclone. She makes me want to do it all night long. The way she moves her body, it like she a Maserati. She <laughs> makes know. it hard to copy. Always tight and never sloppy. The way she move her body, she might see the Maserati. She wanna put it on me, trying to show me her tsunami. She make it hard to copy, always tight and never sloppy. And got her entourage and her own paparazzi. You sang that song in a Casey's Cottage gig that we did, I think. Did I really? She a hottie. Yeah, we were, I think I was, oh gosh, you were the... You were the witch and I was trying to get a potion, like a love potion or oh, something. Dear. I don't remember. One of those mask extravaganzas we did. But yeah, mm. not the first time I've heard you sing that song. In that 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 clipped, like, let me read this as a grocery list kind of thing. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> classic. It's classic. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And our final line, come black satin dancer, come softly to bed. I w- wonder what that means. I mean, he's tired after all the screaming and, and playing with the, the flute, <laughs> I <think> so. clearly. <laughs> so, so, Nick, this is really, this is, in, in a way, quite straightforward. I Yeah, I think so. Yeah. This is, I'm stuck in Monte Carlo with all these damn race cars. <laughs> Please! And I go to, I go to bed at, after the, 
after we record a song and everybody else goes out and parties and right. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and that, that feeling of like, oh, if only I could, if only I could just be a normal person and go to the party and like make small talk and, and have fun. But I yeah. can't. Well, I'll, I'll, let me throw in some more quotes for you then. Martin Barr and I were the loners really within the social infrastructure. He liked to get up early and go for a, a run. I liked oh. to get up early and strum my guitar and watch the news. After shows, both of us would be tucked up and fast asleep within 45 minutes of coming off stage. I like to imagine that they took turns tucking each other in. Oh, yeah, of course. A kiss on the forehead and, and you're done, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's loss. It's not having what you want. It's not not being able to attain something new that you want. It's It's any number of things in here. Yeah, it's very intense. But it's it. But take take out all of the context of of how Ian is feeling at the time of writing, and it's still it's still a beautiful song. Well, it's it, yeah. I mean, and it, and it really hits me in in the heart. This song hits you in the dance bone. Hits me. My dance bone is is it's it's tingling. It's a tingling. Why black satin dancer? Is that not what dancers wore? I think that dancers have worn all manner of fabrics and weaves uh, and colors throughout history. So why did he choose this one specifically then? It's not it's not necessarily that it's out of the ordinary, but why why go for this? What is poetically significant about black satin in this context? Nick, go. English major. English major activate. <laughs> well, black obviously is is a color of morning. Co yes, also also of uh, also of night. Nighttime. Of night, yep. Night, night parties. Yep, there is a, is there not a black dancer in Swan Lake? The Black Swan? The Black Swan. Sure. Could could merely be a reference to that because that, because that role is, is one of the key roles. Yep. And therefore he has fallen in love with, for lack of a better term, the ingenue. She's not the ingenue, but the... the Antagonist? I'm not sure. I don't know the the terms in in terms of ballet, but it, she, it's not just like some some background dancer. It's it's a it's a head dancer. Sure, sure. That's what I got. I like it. You know, or or it's just as it's just as simple as he's noticing the the color and the fabric. I think it's more poetically intentional. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's random. No, I I think you were on that that black is the color of. Of of mourning, of loss, of mystery, of of, of shadow, the of unknown, shadow, yeah, mm -hmm. of the imagination, mm -hmm. yeah. And satin is a luxury fabric, which is soft and supple to touch. Exactly. So it's it's mm -hmm. this sort of like the it's mystery touch. Yeah, like yeah, like you said, the the mystery you can you can surmise and you can think and you can can guess and fantasize yeah. all you want when you're looking into the darkness, when you're looking at something that, that you, you're only giving yourself that context. Yeah. And also the, the song title imagination fondle was already taken by, by Roy Harper, actually. That's right. Well, Nick, do we have anything else to say on black satin dancer? I do not. I do not. Yeah.
Have you ever taken a dance class? No. The movement class I took in college was was stage combat. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I took fencing too, so. Oh, great. I didn't know that. Yeah, I never took any I never took dance. I danced in in high school for the musicals, but Sure. We're actually when when stuff opens up, we're we're going to try and get Rook into some dance cuz that kid hey. loves to move whenever I, we put music on. Like, boy, does he bop. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and you have you actually taken classes? Yes, you did. I did in college. I took. Yeah. I, I didn't really do a, a full study of dance, but I took. I took tap, which I was very bad at. I took flamenco, which I was not terrible at. Mm. One of my roommates, my sophomore year, was a phenomenal dancer. He killed tap. He we I I went to see him do. He was part of the 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 dance troupe, and he did a modern dance thing. And I just remember weeping openly, like he he's. Mark DeConzo, I don't know what he's doing. I think he was on Broadway for a little bit. Wow. But very, very talented dancer, yeah. Well. Straight out of Hofstra. Until next week, Nick. <laughs> yes. There's a dance that everyone can do. Mm, it's so called like, the five star. It's, it's called the five star. It goes like this. Star, 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 star. That's and a, that's that was, the sound of you putting five stars on iTunes to rate... <laughs> Our podcast. Yes. Yeah. But. Yeah, what? What exactly are we listening to next week, Omen? Ooh, next week, Nick, if I am not mistaken, we are listening to Requiem. That we are. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, another another pretty one. There's a lot of pretty ones on here, despite there being... A significant amount of metal and heavier rock sound, like some there, there, there is some some beautiful music on this album. There really is. This is this is a fun one, Nick. I'm enjoying this. This album, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of refreshing to get into something that's that's not so pigeonholed as one thing. Yeah, you know, I even War Child, I feel like was that, but this is this is really nice. Indeed. Well, until. We talk tall to you about Requiem. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. We are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tall to Me. Okay, class, thank you for coming in. Let's see. Roll call. Let's see. Got everyone. You're the latecomer. You must be Omen Sage, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm so sorry. The the train the train was late. I'll just do I stand, now, stand in the back here. No, that's that's fine. Yeah. Now now you you were told to, to dress casual, clothes you could move in, right? Yeah, yeah. I know. I know that what I'm wearing may not appear to be, you know, typical quote-unquote dance wear, but I, I guarantee you it's Canadian tuxedo of, of full full denim is, is more movable than it looks. Okay. Okay. And you ran here from the train station. You, do you need a, a moment no. to breathe? You no, want no, no, no. I'm good. You're... I'm good. I'll leave my boots on. That's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Then yeah. if you don't mind, if, yeah. if you're ready to go, why don't you show the class? Okay. What you've prepared. Okay, here we go. Here's my CD. Okay. Five, six, seven, eight. Ooh, ah, e, ah, ooh, 
Okay, I'm, dip, I'm, dip, gonna, I'm dip, gonna stop dip, you there. Twirl, 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 twirl. Clap, I'm gonna clap, clap, clap. Death drop. Yeah. The denim is starting to smoke. I'm a little concerned. There's a lot did of friction I, going on there. Did I did I get the part? And the your your pants, this is dreadfully embarrassing. I really your your pants split. I really think in I'm right. Back? I really think I'm right for the Are you for the Are you wearing black satin underneath? Yeah, that's that? that's that's my big reveal. Oh. I can do this. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take this role. I qu- I quit my job. You know what? Normally, n- normally we'd have you ushered out. But you know what? Damn it! I like your your commitment to this. And yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm giving you the role. If you can pick up the sign, the twirling sign. Yeah. At the the desk downstairs. Yes, thank you. Be outside the mattress store tomorrow uh, morning at eight. Wait, the sign that says. Talk tall to me as a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. That sign. <gasps> yes. I promised you, Mama, I'd make it one day. <laughs> oh.